listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, Colorado? Chris Lopez here. And today's podcast is a deal analysis where we discuss an investor who has a 28-unit single-family residence portfolio. And they had 28 separate loans on 28 separate properties. And then they needed to pull out some cash and make some moves with their portfolio. So they sat down and did a commercial loan on there to pull some cash out and change their loan terms. So we'll go through all the details on that today. My guest is William Foy and Marcus Davis with Spearhead Commercial Capital. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey Chris, how are you doing? Really good. So, you know, this podcast is dropping right after we did our strategic partner intro podcast. And I think it was profile number two. You did a very high level overview about a investor client you helped out. And now we're doing a deep dive into this. So I gave a quick overview. William, paint us a picture as to what this investor's portfolio is like and what this investor's uh, persona and profile is like as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Oddly enough, this investor called us after watching our multifamily mentors podcast. Um, and so he had this need to acquire a multifamily property that was in his market down there. And um, the profile of the investor is, um, you know, someone who obviously has a bunch of single family portfolios. He's had some experience with um, office investor real estate as well. Um, and wanted to kind of diversify his portfolio by adding multifamily to that. Um, he's a home builder by trade. And so what he's gone, uh, what he'd done with these was gone to his local lending institutions that help him with the construction financing for his custom home builds. Um, and they sort of tapped out or reached a ceiling um, on their lending limit with him um, as it combined with his home building business and his investments. Okay, so, so a couple things going on. He had, he had his real estate uh, business and also the rental properties as well. Correct. And so he wanted to then unlock some equity from here to go out there and buy a multifamily, right? Yep, exactly. So he had acquired, um, an old mobile home park, got rid of all the old mobile homes and added, um, you know, two and three bedroom, single family of fixed homes to those pad sites, which is kind of really cool. Um, you know, strategy. So he created, uh, a small, kind of community of these houses, rented them out and held them for cash flow. Well, what he had though was 28 single family, um, you know, residential notes through his institution. So we're cleaning up kind of a multitude of things here, which was trying to put all those together into one note, give him some cash out, um, maybe improve on the interest rate, which it turns out that we did. And also um, free up some of that lending limit for his local institutions so he could kind of keep doing what his day job was, right? As a as a custom home builder. And from earlier conversations, it sounded like he did not want to sell these properties, but hold on to it. So selling and 1031 was off the table, right? Yeah, these were all long-term holds for him because um, they were cash flowing really well, even at higher interest rates. Um, and, you know, the, the challenge for his local lending institutions, he obviously has nice um, relationships there. Uh, through a couple of different lenders, but they were all kind of capped out at loan to cost too. So getting cash out of those properties was challenging because he just built them, rented them out. Um, the bank was looking at it as a loan to cost scenario, 
versus, you know, going to what market value would be at loan to value and taking that cash out really? to go buy another one. Yeah. So, okay. So from the rough time frame, like when did he build and close on these properties with these individual notes? And when did Spearhead come in to, to do the refinance? Yeah. So it was sort of a moving target. Some of these had been built for a year and rented out. Um, but actually, as we were coming down to the wire on close, he had just completed the construction of the last couple and rented them out. Um, Luckily, had a kind of a wait list of of clients or tenants um, to to rent out to, but um, our lender only required kind of T what we'd call T one stabilization, right? So one month of um, rents collected on on the property was good enough for them to say, all right, cool, we can count that as stabilized. And as we do all these deal analyses, we'll kind of start doing the commercial glossary for terms. So T sure. one is trailing one month, T six is trailing six months Correct. of data that the lender needs, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, and we did a little bit of a jargon there with the loan to cost versus loan to value. But so, and you guys have a really great, like a one page comparison here. So we're going to go with these numbers. We'll talk about them on the podcast here. They're in the YouTube video and they're in the blog post as well. So the total value was about 3.5 million on the properties when he closed with the, the local bank, right? Right. So um, in that scenario, you know, his cost to build these things is actually much lower than what the market value is when it's complete and stabilized, as most people probably understand. Um, so this was his kind of estimated value of the portfolio at the time. Um, but given that the lenders had already sort of lent him 75% loan to cost to build it, like which was his total, you know, mm. building cost, they weren't able to kind of give him any more cash out because they'd already lent him the maximum amount when he was ground up constructing these things. Okay. Um, so then what our commercial lender did was, all right, we're going to go out and get market appraisals for these as completed and stabilized. And that's where we get the lift. Um, you can see here of um, an aggregate value of 3.95 million. So about, I mean, a half million dollars higher. Mm -hmm. um, and that was just because you guys were using market appraisal value versus the loan to cost value. So about a half million dollar left half a million dollar left in total uh, value on there. Now talk to me about the new, the debt structure and walk me through this. Cause this is, this is a new world to me and hold my hand listeners hand as we kind of go through these numbers on here, if you could. Sure. Yeah. So our commercial lender, um, because it was the long-term hold, we were looking at the longest fixed rate period available. Um, and in commercial land, that's usually about 10 years. Um, so they had kind of two options on the table for him here. One was a 10 year um, fixed rate with a 30 year amortization. So that would be a P and I type of payment. Um, but this lender was also able to do a 10 year interest only type of structure. So the amortization obviously doesn't apply. It's not, you're not paying down any principal. Um, he felt comfortable enough to take the latter option, which was, you know, an interest only option at slightly 10 years 10 of year interest only fixed rate interest only. Wow. So it really helped his cash flow, as you can see on this on yeah. the sheet here. Um, and you already felt like he was in a pretty good loan to value position with um, a lot of upside because he was going to hold these forever. So let's talk about that just in terms of like, I know whether it's cash flow or debt service, whatever, it's easier for your mind to work on there. Give us an example in this, if you can do some quick mental math. Hey, if it's a one year of, you know, year one, it's P&I back principal and interest yeah. um, versus just interest only. 
And I should have prepped this because now you're breaking out your, your, your iPhone. Handy dandy, yeah. uh, you know. Hey Siri, here. calculate this, right? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be so, substantial, though. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm doing, um, damn, you just reset this thing here. And how this comes about is, you know, the gentleman's priority was max cash flow, right? Okay. So to maximize cash flow. It's an interest-only scenario. We run into investors all the time that will say, hey, we never look at an interest-only type of scenario. So it's case by case. But this is where it comes down. It depends on what the investor's goal is. Absolutely. And then you help them meet their goal based on the market and what their portfolio does. You said it. So in terms of, while, while William's doing his calculation <laughs> of their markets, walk us through some other highlights on this deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I guess... You know, his top priority was getting cash out to be able to acquire the new multifamily purchase. So, um, you know, his loan that we paid off was 2.1 and his new loan amount was 2.7. So this gentleman accessed 670 grand of cash um, to be able to go out and take on this new acquisition. So that's not nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, more cash flow, cash out refinance. Yep. Good, good numbers here. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, his, you know, the, the, Debt service reduction, which I think William has the number now. <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, if you looked at this loan on a P&I basis, um, so principal and interest basis at the same interest rate, the P&I annually would have been 163000 and change. So um, obviously like a, a $50,000 difference there in, in interest only versus the P&I payment. Um, so, you know, that helps cash flow a ton. And I think the important thing to outline here too is as we you know, people back up against their limit of conventional conforming single family, um, residential loans. Um, you have to explore other options or lenders who can actually hold those residential notes on their balance sheet and not sell those off to Fannie, Freddie, Sally, whoever it might be on the back yeah. end. Um, so he was dealing with higher than, you know, market interest rates, um, with his local banks who were able to, you know, hold these single families on their books, um, so his, his interest rate was, was quite high, um, probably cause they were also construction notes at some level too. So he was in the fives on some of these. So he reduced his rate by almost a full point or more, um, in some cases on, on some of these, uh, uh, residential properties and that helped the cash flow obviously as well. Oh yeah. Okay. So to recap here, pulled out close to $7,000 in cash, got a better interest rate, 10 years of interest only. And cash flow increase fifty, sixty thousand dollars ish. Okay, That's so right. I mean, win, 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 win there. Yeah. Um, and then so had you know, there's had this loan, and then he's looking at the he says like fifty some unit multifamily, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Absolutely. Walk. Did you? Can you guys kind of walk us through how these two? You took loan one and parlayed that into property number two. Or just at least a high level? Yeah, I'll take that one. So um, what he was trying to do there, and not only that, I'll just t- talk about the, the last couple bullet points. Oh, yeah. Um, we took mm-hmm. these loans off of his local lending institution's balance sheet. So that freed up, um, you know, lending limit with them to go do his, you know, day job of custom home building over here. Um, but it so also he, was non-recourse. Yeah, and he can kind of start a new shot clock with that bank, right? So say he had 5 million bucks out with those guys. Now he's down, he just paid off 2.1 of it. Maybe they feel comfortable with giving him an additional $2 million for his home building business or whatever else it may be. So they're actually happy to see that note reduced as well. Yeah. Talk about a little bit more because that's a very different thing than, you know, traditional lending is a lot of times banks will only have, you know, 
X amount of dollars per business or per person that they were comfortable lending out. Is that yeah, the correct way to say it? Yeah. And there's a lot of different factors. I mean, this one being, I don't want to say a rural community, but it's not a metro market, meaning that there's less players as far as lenders available. Anytime you're in these smaller communities, there's usually smaller lending limits in comparison to say mm-hmm. a big national bank that really has, you know, endless uh, uh, capability to perform on loans. Uh, in these smaller communities, what you see is, you know, a developer like this, who he probably has a good imprint on the market as well, is he probably has a relationship with all three banks in town. He's probably hit their exposure limit at each one. And now he needs to talk about some other alternatives. Um, so for us, that was a big value that I think we added. And like I said, it's a value to the borrower, but it's also a value to those in- lending institutions because now they get to start over with him and grow their business too. So it's a win-win for everybody. And from a future underwriting perspective, it is a non-recourse loan. So they won't really add in that, um, this 2.7 million in exposure as a contingent liability or something that he's on the hook for paying. So that can help their underwriting guidelines as they do future deals with him as well. Yeah. Cause I mean, let's just say, you know, uh, Chris Lopez owned these properties. And if I, you know, come to another bank and all 28 properties and all 28 loans would show up on my credit history. But now with you guys, these are non-recourse. They're no longer tied to Chris Lopez personal. They're just, they're non-recourse to property. So they even show up on my personal credit report correct, or my other lending options, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. He's really reduced his liability this way. And it it is easier to underwrite him as an individual going forward and his personal income. So, And that probably helped him then qualify for buying the multi-unit because go. he looked better from that standpoint, right? Yeah. So to answer yeah. your original question there is how does he transition from this into that multifamily property? Well, it's a pretty heavy value add play. So what he's actually structuring is um, a seller carry note to acquire it, but that still requires you know a portion of cash down, which came from this refinance. So you can go buy that, take their seller carry note because the deal doesn't necessarily underwrite right now with where the rents are. Um, so any lending institution would struggle to maybe underwrite that um, with rents well below market. So he's going to take that cash, buy the property through the seller carry financing, probably at like a um, 80-20 split. So 20% down, 80% seller carry. He's going to get in there. Um, use some of his cash to revamp all the units. And then once that's stabilized, we can take that uh, property to market and get him, um, you know, refinance the seller carry note, probably give him some cash out as well to recoup his rehab costs. And so you'll put that into permanent financing, potentially non-recourse as well at that yeah, level, right? Probably another 10-year note with a 30-year AM um, at a pretty low interest rate that's non-recourse, maybe a couple of years of interest only um, to help his cash flow for the first couple of years. Um, and, uh, you know, down the road he goes. Cool. Guys, I love this. This was a, a great deal analysis. And I'm really looking forward to doing more of these commercial deal analyses because it's just so much more creative and, and nuanced as you look through deals here. So if anyone out there has commercial lending questions or is in a similar situation to what this client is, reach out to Spearhead Commercial Capital. William and Marcus are running the show right there. You'll get to talk to one of them. Lots of great resources. And the best place for people getting with is your website, right? Go there and fill out the form and get in touch. Yeah, go to our Getting Started page on our website and um, you know follow us on LinkedIn, connect with us on LinkedIn and 
uh, we do have a newly um, you, newly created YouTube page that we're trying to build out with some content. So please follow us there as well. Love it. And viewers, listeners out there, as we do more and more podcast education in the commercial world, if there's questions you have or scenarios or anything like that, please email me. I love taking those questions, taking those ideas and getting great guys like Lula Marcus in the hot seat, picking their brains and seeing what they can talk about it. Guys, thanks so much. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it.